is a cane growers podcast, a discussion of issues and information for sugarcane growers in Australia. In this episode, we're going to take a closer look at one of the biggest issues facing the sugarcane industry in Queensland, the regulation of farm practices in areas near the Great Barrier Reef. I'm Nerali Roki and with me is Dan Galligan, the Cane Growers CEO. G'day Nerali. And Nick Quirk, the Manager of Environment and Sustainability Policy at Cane Growers. Hello Nerali. We're going to answer some questions that are commonly asked about reef regulations and we'll also go through what Cane Growers is doing about them. So quick history, who wants to answer? What exactly do we mean when we say reef regs? Well, perhaps the person who's got the greatest history in the organisation to go or the greatest history in the issue. Nick? Yeah, certainly. The reef regulations refer to any of the uh, new legislation brought in since 2009 that regulates the way farming practices can be undertaken um, with the aim of influencing the the impact of farming on water quality Um, and then related to potential impacts or risk for the reef. So the reef regulations refer to what the government is doing to regulate agriculture in the reef catchments, given that agriculture is seen to be a uh, a contributor to um, potential issues with, with water quality that could be expressed in the reef or the health of the reef. So in a practical sense, what does it mean for farmers? For sugar growers, it means that, um, and most focus has been on nutrient management because uh, the loss of dissolved nitrogen in water, in waterways and into the reef, is seen to be a significant risk to inshore coral systems. So most focus has been on regulating the amount of nutrients, particularly nitrogen, and to a lesser extent phosphorus, that can be applied to crops. There's also more recently been additional regulation to um, for growers to maintain ground cover, to maintain uh, to manage the risk of erosion, even though actual sediment loss from cane farms has not been an issue for decades. Okay, so cane growers has been opposed to regulation right from the start, right from 2009 and then when things were enacted in, in 2010. What's the basis for that opposition? There's a couple of layers to the opposition of the regulations. So the regulations are first as legislation in the environment, as an environmentally relevant activity, and then the regulations around the practices that Mick has just talked about. In the first instance, we're opposed to the fact that the government actually thinks that cane production and agriculture in general in reef catchments is a significant enough risk to the Great Barrier Reef to actually put it as an environmentally relevant activity in the Act. The second thing is, once they've done that, so we firstly disagree with the assessment of the risk, Secondary to that is in the regulations when they've listed the quite prescriptive ways in which you have to manage that risk, it's, it's overly detailed and overly complex to make farmers uh, to be contemplating the sort of farming practices they need to do to manage the risk to the Great Barrier Reef. So A, we don't think they've assessed the risk fairly and B, we think the regulations themselves are too detailed and too burdensome in terms of the operations of a farm. The third thing, though, that's most important about all of that is we think there's a better way of managing any of the risks that might be implied in terms of being a sustainable farmer. We think that farming in the way that you farm, the way farmers actually operate and manage risks, 
risks already. They're the best in the best situation to actually manage environmental risk and we're better off to empower people to understand how they manage those risks rather than regulating them. Three very important reasons. So recently in the news, two things that tie fit into this, but you might need to run through how they fit in. Reef report cards and the Paddock to Reef program. Can you just explain how they relate to reef regs? Yes, the <clears throat> government, both state and federal, have made uh, various investments in projects with both cane farmers and other farmers in an effort to improve water quality. Um, and that's been prior to and, and since regulations as well. So those programs have been going on for probably up to 20 years. The, they have a system called the Reef Report Card System, which is the way they uh, evaluate progress or the impact of those investments, be they regulations or be they um, grant schemes to assist farmers to buy new equipment, the effect of that um, on water quality. And to the extent that it's improving water quality outcomes consistent with the targets that both the federal and state government have uh, placed within what they call their uh, water reef water quality improvement plan. So the report card looks reports on where they think farm practices are at relative to their water quality standards um, and then model the impacts of any changes in practice on water quality impact on the on the water quality so they then estimate for example if there's been a change in nutrient management how much less dissolved inorganic nitrogen is leaving the farm and then they they score that uh, both the practice change and any improvement in water quality they score the extent of progress um, on an ABCD um, uh, framework kind of sounds fair enough what is the problem with it it's not fair <laughs> that's the problem with it um, so I think the, the challenge around paddock to reef, which is a, a, largely a model, but it relies on multiple lines of evidence, I would say some actual data and then some modelled data, that exists because uh, what is fair enough is the reef is a huge ecosystem. You know, it's over 1,500 kilometres of coastline uh, and the impact of anything that happens on the land that might impact on, on the reef uh, isn't a direct relationship. So what someone might do 200 kilometres away from the coral uh, doesn't happen or can't be picked up in the natural environment immediately. There's no, there's not, it could, could probably never be enough monitoring of actual water quality in the Great Barrier Reef, which is what everybody should be worried about, is what is the actual water like at the reef? Uh, the government will never have enough money to actually put monitoring stations out there. There are some, but they've built up over time. So as a proxy, or instead of actually being able to monitor all the water quality, they model it. So they have to have to use uh, a computer program to say, let's have some data and make some assumptions about what's happening on the land uh, and try and assess what is happening in terms of water quality. And that in even is in terms of what would be the future impact on water quality. So it's a huge body of science. Uh, it's a huge body of modelling. Uh, and it doesn't actually reflect reality. So what we know is that what farmers have been doing over those last 20 years and what farmers are doing now even uh, is vastly different to what the model can assume has happened or would assume will happen in terms of the future in terms of water quality. So it's not actually fair at all. Uh, 
it's a reasonable thing to say we can't necessarily uh, monitor all the water in the Great Barrier Reef because it's such a huge ecosystem. That's also why it's reasonable to say you shouldn't be regulating a farmer in Tully for the outcomes of the water quality 200, 200 or 300 kilometres away. Uh, therefore, you shouldn't be judged by those models either. It's actually just a crazy idea to be judging people based on the outcomes of those models. The models are helpful to work, to work out whether or not the entire natural environment is improving or going backwards, but they're not a helpful thing to judge people on their performance. And what you mentioned there is a really important link, that link between the reports or pad- and paddock to reef and regulation. Yeah, and, and uh, the justification for regulations, and it was in 2009, so over, over 10 years ago, the justification for regulations then was that, A, that would be good for farmers, bizarrely enough, that it was going to be an economically good thing to be regulating farming practices, and it's not. We've proven that when we released a report last year to show that there's a significant cost, a $1.3 billion cost to the industry over 10 years from regulating farmers. The second justification was that farmers don't change practices sufficiently themselves, and that's also false. Uh, the report cards then measure the, the trajectory towards water quality and because of those report cards, they are built on essentially partial information. They don't take account of historical performance of farmers. They don't take account of all practices. They mostly only pick up uh, practices associated with funded programs from, from government. So lots of things that farmers do don't go into that big pot. And that report card is used by the government to justify regulations. It's just completely unfair and it's completely unhelpful. And that's why... Lots of farmers, quite rightly, are very, very frustrated by the whole process. You're midway through a, um, a program of visiting members, cane growers members in every district. I think at one point you had 10 meetings in three days with growers in, in different locations uh, in the far north. I, is that what growers are talking and asking about? Yeah, it's palpable frustration because for they, they've got the lived experience and as we talk to farmers who've been dealing with regulations on, from the Great Barrier Reef for 10 years, been going to meetings, been trying to comply, trying to do their best. None of them are saying, we don't care about the reef. They're all, they all care for the reef. It's, it's their next door neighbour. So they all care about the health of the Great Barrier Reef. So they've all tried to do their best. What they're frustrated about is what I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is they know there's a better way. They feel it's completely unfair to be regulated when they've been doing this enormous amount of effort particularly in relation to adopting Smart Cane BMP. So many of those areas that are most frustrated are the ones that they've done the most in terms of the alternative way of doing these things, which is where they've demonstrated that they're actually operating in a sustainable business, that they're adopting best practice, that they're optimising and being as efficient as they can in fertiliser application, and yet a report card comes out and the government makes announcements about further regulations. So that, that's what builds the frustration. It's not a frustration about not wanting to do things. It's a frustration about saying, why is no one acknowledging all that we have done? And while their lived experience is a decade of living with that, from a political perspective, we've probably had at least three or four environment ministers in that time. And they get to come into this discussion from a new way and say, well, I'm new, I don't understand, but we're dealing, we're dealing with farmers who had multiple generations of dealing with these issues and they're frustrated because they want greater acknowledgement of all that effort. As has Kangaroo, has been dealing with this issue for, um, for all of that time. Correct. Given that, what is the way forward? Well, the way forward is to take charge of the whole discussion. We're in this situation because the government has successfully basically positioned us 
as being responsible for the health of the Great Barrier Reef. Um, everybody in the industry actually says we're part of the solution, we're part of a sustainable future for the Great Barrier Reef. But we're part of that because we're part of a sustainable future for the industry. They go absolutely hand in hand. But the problem is, over a decade ago, the government set up a, a narrative or a discussion that the industry was not what it actually is. And our solution is actually to tell that, to set the record straight, it's to tell that story accurately, to demonstrate what we know, which is that farmers are actually operating sustainably, have been doing so for decades. And while it's frustrating, and, and many of us don't like having to do it, we, we are prepared to actually validate and prove that. So Smart Cane BMP has been the best, most demonstrable way that we have been able to show that actually the alternative way is to put the power back in the farmers' hands. So we're beyond 37% of the industries now accredited to Smart Cane BMP. The government's acknowledged that it actually achieves the types of things they want it to achieve. It's been, in, it, while it's been funded by government, it's, it's farmers' efforts that have gone into that validation process. The market is now recognising Smart Cane BMP as a sustainable demonstration, so it's a demonstration of sustainable sugar. And that whole process now is showing the government that there is a pathway to actually take away those regulations. We need to show the government politically, scientifically and economically that there is a pathway that farmers, it is not fair to, to regulate them for these sustainability outcomes because, in fact, they are showing and are prepared to prove that they have got this situation under control. That not only do they care, not only is the rhetoric there and the philosophy around it, but they can prove it. So that's the pathway forward, and I think we are well down that pathway. So as an industry, to have over a third of the cane production in Queensland accredited is a huge outcome, and we've got global recognition, we've got marketplace recognition, something that other agricultural industries would love to have. It's now just getting political recognition of that. And so needing that critical mass of growers is part of getting that political recognition. How can growers help to get towards that ultimate goal of having regulations removed? Those growers who have got involved in PM, BMP, uh, Smart Cane BMP, need to stay involved and more growers need to come on board. That momentum will build um, and as Dan has mentioned, the recognition is occurring within industry, with outside of industry, in the, in the world marketplace. The government is not using the data uh, adequately. The report card sets up practice levels that are not aligned with our BMP program. They they're requiring practices for the report card that will be uneconomic. So we're determined to get the report card um, revised and uh, reformed so that it fairly and fully recognises the efforts of growers to both be economically sustainable and sustainable for reef water quality. And that's a target that's got uh, got you busy for uh, many hours in the week. <laughs> it has. Uh, we've got a fair bit of work to do in the next few months, but it's a great opportunity and I think we, you know, we need to do this to recognise the work that growers have done. I think the other thing there really is be involved in BNP, um, but also be prepared to tell the story of that involvement. So, uh, again, I, I'm like anyone else. I don't really... I wish I didn't have to actually prove things, but the nature of agriculture, the nature of our environment and, and our relationship with the community is... We've got a program with Smart Cane BMP where we can validate what we already know. And the more transparent we can be, the more we'll take back that story. So we're in this situation because others have been able to tell a story that we, we think is fundamentally not true. 
but also to take that back it's to actually be as transparent as we possibly can be to share to share what we actually see going on on farms so share the stories of sustainability share what people are doing across the industry on water quality monitoring and 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 being involved with scientists in paddocks uh, sure, being accredited to B&B, but being prepared to share what you've done to get there. Because we've done work within community, locally and nationally and internationally, and they all want to know. So the more farmers that are willing to share that story, the better off we'll be to actually win the debate. Okay. Thanks, Dan. And thanks, Mick. And readers of Australian Cane Grower magazine can keep up with the, uh, the latest developments in this issue each month in Mick's policy column. Also, if you've got questions or an idea for another topic for a cane growers podcast, you can send them in on email to info at canegrowers.com.au. Info at canegrowers.com.au. Thanks for listening. <laughs>